Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. I have some tough questions for my guest today. We talk a lot about selling. I ask him, is traditional selling dead? What does great leadership look like? What's the most important skills that make people brag about you when you're not in the room? And what's the most important skill to achieve success that people forget and need to be in the forefront of their minds to deliver great customer experiences? My guest, Sid Meadows, an admirable high-performance coach and business strategist, answers these questions and more. He spends every day helping people business leaders, salespeople, create and implement strategies to help them grow so they can grow their business. He shares so many gems that you'll want to replay this episode. Each story and recommendation is better than the next. I have one request. If you like my show, please leave a review and subscribe to my podcast. It means a lot. Now let's get started. Welcome, Sid Meadows. Welcome, Sid Meadows. I'm so excited to have you on my show. Well, thank you, Stacey. I'm really excited to be here. I appreciate the invitation to join you. So the audience is going to love you, but I'll let them figure that out for themselves. Let's get into, tell the audience, who who are you? What do you do professionally? Sure. My name is Sid Meadows, and I'm a certified high-performance coach and a business strategist. And I work with entrepreneurs, podcasters, authors, coaches, trainers, speakers, are those that aspire to be that. Specifically with business owners or business leaders are those that are driving revenue into their business. And I help you grow and your business grow. Because when you're growing and your business is growing, then we're all thriving and we're able to make the greatest impact, not only personally, but also professionally for yourself and for your business and for your team and those people that work for you. I love that. Now, why? Why? Have you chosen this as a profession? Why do you spend time doing this every day? You know, that's a really, really good question. And it, you know, supporting entrepreneurs is really the thing that gets me out of bed in the morning every day because, you know, my entire career when I was working in corporate America, though I had mentors, I didn't really have tools and resources at my disposal. Either the company didn't give them to me or I didn't know where to go to get them or where to look for them. And just like, you know, I mean, just like everybody else and the people that I work with, I'm on this journey of an entrepreneur. And so many times that journey can feel really lonely and you can feel isolated. And so my goal, my objective is to take away that and to make the entrepreneur journey fun and exciting all the time and not, not let any entrepreneur feel like they're alone because that isolation is absolutely the worst feeling in the world that you don't know what to do, when to do it, how to do it. And that's my job as a business strategist and as a coach. I also believe much of what you say isn't just for entrepreneurs. It's for all leaders, even in big companies and small companies who really want to elevate their game. So it's not just about a company size. 
Oh, I totally agree with that. You know, Stacey, what's interesting is an entrepreneur can be a party one, but it also can be an entrepreneur can be a Fortune 500 company. And so I do support all of them. And you're right, my message of things that I talk about as it relates to sales or leadership should resonate regardless of the size of your company or your job title, basically. So let's go into, you said sales, because you spent time in that field, and you also Mm -hmm. spent time in manufacturing. Yep. So let's peel that apart. Uh, Let's start with sales. What does customer experience mean to you, and how does it correlate to sales? So it's a really interesting question, and I will say that I never really thought about customer experience until recently. And, but I've experienced customer experience, but I had not really thought about it strategically the way that you talk about it. And I've learned so much from you and listening to you talk about customer experience. And so for me, what it really means, customer experience means, and I've, I reflect back on this, is what's the experience that I have with your business in all aspects of your business? whether that's an in-person, on hold, on the phone, on your website, on your social media, it is literally about curating an experience that I want to go through that I know my customer wants to go through. So the way I tell some of my clients about this is that if you get frustrated using your own website, how do you think your customers feel? If you can't navigate it, or another example would be if you go to somebody else's website and you want to contact somebody and there's no contact information, how does that make you feel? And I have probably said, Stacy, in the last 10 days, at least once a day, so at least 10 times, to companies and to individuals, you need Stacy Sherman in your life. <laughs> because people don't understand, really, truly don't understand yeah. customer experience the way that you do. And so for me, it's really about curating an experience that I want to go through. You need Stacy Sherman in your life. I want that as a bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it to you. I'll make it for you. No doubt. <laughs> uh, I love that. So what you're talking about is a customer journey. And it's amazing that you really understand that and you've been learning that and talking that because people don't really get what that means. They think about customer service and what they don't realize is that's a single touch point. Mm -hmm. It's just one aspect of the entire journey because I think about, think about all the bad phone experiences that you have when you call a company and you're put on hold and you have to push 15 different buttons and then you know, getting to a real life person can be really difficult. And, you know, old school people like me, I want to talk to a real life person, not to a robot. And so I've learned to just say representative and it'll finally get me to a person. But all those are experiences. And when you're really paying attention to the experiences that you have with the businesses that you work with as an individual, you can easily spot the really good experiences and the bad experiences. So I would say to people, and I say to people all the time, what's the experience your customers having with you throughout yes. their journey with you. Yes. So going back to sales, what do you think of the statement? And this is very, sounds cold, but I'll say it anyway. Sales Don't is dead. Don't be bashful. <laughs> sales is dead. Dead the way we know it. Relationships and customer experience is in. I agree with that part. 
I absolutely agree with that part. I don't think sales is dead. I think there are aspects of sales that are dead. So the aspects of cold calling and cold outreach are dead. I mean, do you answer your phone when you don't know the person's name on it? No. You don't see the name pop up? You don't answer it. What do you do when you get emails? You delete them, right? You, they go in your spam folder, or if they do show up in your regular folder, you delete them because it, you know it's immediate. It's just, it, immediately it's a solicitation. So there are parts of sales that are dead, but the sales as a, as a uh, career are not dead. We just have to do it differently. We have to do it differently. And I think that businesses have to take a holistic approach to this. It's not just what can the salesperson do? How can the salesperson drive new business? How many calls can the salesperson make? The business has to take approach of curating the experience for the client or the prospect in the same way the salesperson does. Because here's the thing. If you are a sales leader or a business owner, regardless of what it is that you sell, um, and how you drive revenue into your business. If you are not embracing digital strategies to bring people into, to be found, be found, that's the key here, is rather than outreach and always cold outreach and trying to find customers, you have to switch that narrative. You have to seek to be found rather than seeking to find. And because the consumer is a lot smarter, the statistics prove that the most recent one that I heard is that 82% of B2B buyers so business-to-business buyers have researched you, know who you are, have visited your website and your LinkedIn profile, know what they want to buy before they ever pick up the phone and call you. So what is the experience that you're giving them along their journey of discovery of finding you? And if you're not controlling the narrative, then your competition is. I love that. Yes. I also recommend to people that you design the journey you want them to be on. You do that collaboratively with your team. But then you have to ask the customer what you designed. Is it actually what they want? Is it meet their mm-hmm. needs? Always right? be testing, right? Always be testing. Map it out one way and then get the feedback from the appropriate people and then test, measure, and then uh, then pivot as you need to pivot with whatever, with whatever journey and the steps in the journey that you've created. Yes. So let's pivot a moment <laughs> to manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And I think that, well, the question for you is, does customer experience, is it any different in the manufacturing industry? Versus the sales industry? No, just manufacturers. How much do they really understand when we say doing CX right? Mm -hmm. Do they understand it? What's your experience in the opportunities for manufacturers to understand how they impact the customer experience? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's a really, really great question because I did work for a manufacturing firm for a long time. And I think one thing manufacturers do really, really well is they create a great experience when the potential client or prospect comes to their facility. They roll out the red carpet. They make sure it's really fun. There's usually a gift sitting there for the client, like tablecloths or whatever your culture is like. They create a great experience with dinner, maybe baseball games or whatever. They create a great experience for it. But I think that's where it falls off. Because to most manufacturing firms, I think it defaults back to customer service. 
So you create this great experience when they come there and you make all these promises, which you can live up to all those promises. But then when that client leaves, it defaults right back to customer service. And okay, well, let me check on your order. Let me make sure this is right. And let me make sure that the lead time or the shipping is right. And here's the packing list and all that kind of stuff. And I think we forget about the dynamic of creating an experience at all levels within the organization when the client is not there. When they're there, we're doing it you know, all out, laying out the red carpet. But it's when they leave that I think that creating the experience really, really matters. I agree. And I have found that companies, manufacturers that have that mentality, in the end, they're competing on price alone. And that doesn't work. No, not at all. Um, Not anymore, anyway. It used to be that you could win on low price, but there's a lot of negatives to winning on low price. It typically means lower margins, lower profitability. You know, some cases you actually, in order to be the lowest price, sometimes you sacrifice the quality of the service, not the product, but the quality of the service in order to win on low price. But you don't have to win on low price. If you put forth the right strategy, the right program, the right experience, you can win the job and not be the low price. And people do it every day of the week. I agree. So going back to the beginning of our conversation, you talked about leadership Mm -hmm. and how important that is, again, whether you're an entrepreneur or a leader of any brand. What's the best advice you've been given that you continue to pay forward? So, you know, I've been given a lot of advice as a leader over the years. And I'm going to say that the best advice that I've been given was advice that I gave to myself. And that came through education and learning. That came from me going on a path of discovery Uh, reading, listening, and and self-analyzing things to really step into being the best leader that I possibly could be. Because there is a distinct difference, Stacey, between leader, being a leader, and being a manager. And the advice that I'm paying forward, that I'm sharing with my leaders that I work with and businesses that I work with, is to leverage your best resource. Your best resource is your people. And what I suggest to them is that you lead from the back. You empower those people to solve the problems or address the challenges in your business. When you walk into a conference room as a leader, typically you're going to command the space and sit at the head of the table. Don't sit at the head of the table. Sit at the middle of the table. Share what the challenge is and then ask the people in the room and tell them the problem or the challenge and ask them to speak up. Give them a safe space where they can share their voice and their ideas with you and you sit back and let them lead. You have no idea how much power it creates and how much trust and confidence in you as a leader that that creates. That is powerful and so essential because we know that when employees feel valued and appreciated, the customer sees and feels it too. It, it, 100%. It, right? It, it just naturally happens. I've seen it in different companies. And that is why leadership is so important. Champions at the top, but also elevating your people in the way that supports their strengths. Mm, absolutely. I mean, you hired them, right? 
Give them a voice. Don't silence them. Make their voice heard. And you have to create a space where they feel safe and secure to share their thoughts and ideas, and there's no repercussions. They've got to feel that they can share. Even if their opinion doesn't agree with yours, you've got to let them be heard. So that's what you hired them. Don't waste that talent and waste that gift across all functions. Because let's remember, the guy that's doing the installation of whatever product is that you're installing has a lot of insights about how the product could be improved, how the installation could be improved, how you can shorten cycle times, and how you can create a better customer experience. Just like the guy that's manufacturing it, just like the person that sits in customer service, but also just like the salesperson. They all have different perspectives of the product. And if you're in silos and you only work in silos, you're depriving your organization of the gift of that knowledge and information. So pull together that cross-functional team and give them a safe space to talk and you sit back and listen to how they solve the problems and present solutions to you that likely you and the rest of your leadership team haven't thought of. Yes, I believe Simon Sinek wrote a book, Leaders Eat Last. Have you read that? I've read part of it, but can I share a book that I just finished, Stacey? Yes, please. So I just finished, it's a really short book, it's a really good book, and it is, um, it's actually sitting right here, sorry. It's by Gary Burnison, the CEO of Corn Ferry. And it's called Leadership You, Accelerating Through the Crisis Curve. It is one of the most powerful books I have ever read. If you listen to it, it's like two hours and 20 minutes. I finished it in a day and a half just in spacing out the reading of it. You could read it literally in one sitting. It is an amazing book that really talks about what leaders need to be doing today. Mm, so what's one of your f- most favorite takeaways? Well, he talks about leading from the back as well. So we agreed on that very much so. He <laughs> termed it, his terminology was different than mine, right? But there were a couple of things that really stood out to me. And one of them was listen and the power of listening. Because I think all of us individually as human beings, as leaders, as individual contributors, Leading is the most powerful skill that we have not yet developed. Truly, we have not developed the skill and the art of listening to people and listening to understand rather than listening to respond because we're taught to listen to respond. You know, you tell your kid to do something and they're listening, they're like, they're gonna respond to you and you're gonna respond to them rather than listening to understand the situation. So we have to learn to listen to understand rather than to respond. So that, he talks a lot about that in the book and that was one of my biggest takeaways was uh, listening and the power of listening. So have you heard the statement, you have two ears, one mouth, use it appropriately? (laughs) Several times. Hey, we're all guilty of it, right? We're all guilty of not listening because we don't understand the true power of listening and listening is all about what's not being said as much as what is being said and paying attention to body languages and facial expressions and how people are reacting to you so that you can understand. And it also has a lot to do with the type of questions that you ask. Do you ask a question that's going directly to the next point or do you ask a question where you've acknowledged and validated what the person said and then ask a follow-up question to better understand it? And so, go ahead. No, I was gonna say you you hit a chord for me because there's so many times where companies will do phone surveys and the rep 
is reading a script. So I'll answer a question and they didn't listen because if they did, they would not ask that next question. Mm-hmm. So what see, you're saying to me is, oh, so, so important. That person, their job is not to listen. Their job is to check boxes and to get your rating on various different things. And the company takes that data. To me, that tells me that the company doesn't want to listen to you. They just want the data and they're going to take that data and they're going to analyze it the way that they see best and then make any implements or changes into their business, right? So we, if we want to truly listen to our customers, we have to ask questions that get more than a one-word response. And on that survey, you're asked, on a scale of one to 10, Stacey, how would you rate your experience with us today? And okay, you're going to say an eight. That it tells you nothing. Why didn't you give us a 10? If you ask a question that is more open-ended, you know, along the lines of, well, how was your experience with us today? Then you get a different answer that actually is hard to quantify it when you're trying to get data and metrics, but you actually get more better information that's going to help you make the appropriate changes in your business. I agree. Also, many companies are so focused on the numerics, they have a volume goal. You've got to get X amount of calls and hurry up and get off the phone. That is not customer-centric. I hate that. You know, I, fortunately, I've not worked in an industry where, as a salesperson ever, where you had to make 200 phone calls a day. And the measurement of, oh, I make 200 phone calls a day, that's the wrong measurement. It's the wrong experience for the employee because you talk about how customer experience is not just about the outward customers, it's about the inside customers as well. And so in this case, the salesperson, but rather than measure to the, to you made 200, measure to the results they got, right? To how many, because the result that you want is how many calls or conversations that person had. So rather than measure to the goal, measure to the outcome to the degree that, well, I made 20 phone calls today, not 200, but I had five really good in-depth conversations with potential clients rather than I made 200 and I got one. There is a big difference there. If you have 50 quality calls and tw- or 50 calls and 20 of them turn into quality calls versus 200 where you got one, what's the better result? I agree. I think it's going to take a while for companies to really understand that, but the best in class ones do. You you mm-hmm. they do and it's so obvious. Well, so many times we're reaching for this big number. We got to make sure that we made 10,000 phone calls or we sent 10,000 emails in this day, whatever it is, that's the wrong measurement. The right measurement is what kind of conversations can you create with your customers that are going to lead to the next step in your cycle and creating a great experience. I would rather somebody call me and have a conversation with me than start pitching me in sales. And the same thing goes in any form of social media. I mean, we can use LinkedIn as the perfect example. You know, you you accept a connection request and all of a sudden the person starts selling to you. (laughs) Well, hey, have a conversation with me. Get to know me a little bit. And because my profile says coach, I must have this thing on my shirt that says target because it (laughs) happens to me literally all the time. And so this one person, I'll tell you this quick story. This one person sent me a, a connection request on LinkedIn. I looked at the profile and went, okay, this looks pretty good. Oh, it's like, oh, come on, Sid, you just, that was a bad mistake because it happened. I replied, hey, thanks for the connection request. Great to meet you. First sales email. I didn't reply. She sent me seven emails. 
I think it was automated. Seven emails never once asked me about who I am, what my business is, what my problems are, what keeps me up at night. Didn't have any conversation with me. Tried to sell me seven different times and I finally blocked her. Mm, Like, I, I don't have time for this. And I wonder if even that kind of outreach even works for anybody. I mean, how, it just really baffles me that people would actually reply yes to something like that. And so I don't understand it. I know they wouldn't keep doing it if people didn't reply to it, but I just don't understand it, Stacey. Well, again, my opinion is traditional selling is dead. Code calling, Mm -hmm. code, you know, reaching out to people who don't know you Mm -hmm. and there's no relationship, it's not going to work. So So you said that a few minutes ago and I'll, I'll say this, relationship selling is in 100%. You have to build a relationship. And you have to do it. This is a law. This is the problem. This takes a long time. This is not a short circuit. Let me, you know, find something and shoot it and kill it right now. And I've got the sale. Building relationships, especially in today's world, takes time and effort and strategy. And companies don't focus on it the right way. They don't. I agree. I also believe it's important for leaders of any brand to empower your people so that when a customer, if you're talking to them in person or by phone, it could be a restaurant, it could be anywhere. When mistakes happen, because they do, we're human beings, Mm -hmm. empower your people to be able to rectify it and not have to say, can you please hold on? I need to go ask permission to make it better. Mm -hmm. You've hired them for a reason. Give them empower them to make decisions to do the right thing, to take care of your customer. Because just like they are that waiter's customer, they are your customer as well. So empower them to do make decisions that curate the experience that gets that customer to be a raving fan and that they come back and they tell everybody about what you did and they come back and they bring their friends and then their friends tell their other friends. That's such a powerful message in so many levels. So in other words, get the basics right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's a great way to say it, get the basics right. But I think we rush off to try to get the sale so fast that we don't solidify the foundation or the basics. We don't solidify it because we're trying to get to the cross the finish line so quickly that we make a lot of missteps along the way. And unfortunately, we lose a lot of people and a lot of potential customers along that way because we're not creating the experience and folk that they want or that they need and because we don't have our foundation in a solid place. And we're not listening. Thank you. We're not listening. <laughs> Just Could to we bring do a whole back. podcast on listening? Can we do a whole podcast on listening? <laughs> It'd be a lot of fun. We really could because that's something that everybody relates to. I mean, it's so obvious, but it's the fundamentals of customer experience and and business 101. Absolutely. And here's the thing. People know when you're not listening to them. They know. You've got your phone and you're looking at your phone or you keep turning to your email or your watch keeps dinging or people keep walking by and they know. There are so many visual cues that you're not listening that we don't even realize that people are picking up on it. And so that's one of the things I tell anybody that I work with, whether it's an individual, a group coaching, a business strategy, or just people that I talk to. The greatest gift that you can give someone is your presence. 
It is the greatest gift that you can give them. And that means remove all the distractions from around you. Turn off that phone, shut off that email. If you have to put your watch in the pocket, put your watch in the pocket, but give the people around you, especially those people that work for you, your team, give them the gift of you and your presence in that moment because you're not gonna get that moment back. And those 30 minutes that you're meeting with that client or 30 minutes that you're meeting with that employee, make them the focus of that because whatever is happening outside those 30 minutes, if there's not someone else on your team that can solve that problem or address that issue, you don't have the right team in place. So in other words, your presence is a present. Oh, thank you for saying that. Your presence is a present. Absolutely. Yes. But Stacey, I know throughout your career, you've had a direct experience where you know the person you're talking to is not listening to you. Absolutely. I could probably name three of them today where <laughs> I'm talking to people and they're just not listening. Absolutely. And here's the other thing, going back to sales, because there's so many people in that role or any role, it, it goes back to now the word trust. Without trust, forget it. And you don't mm-hmm. you lose trust when you're not listening. And what happens, yes, you lose trust. And then what happens, Stacey, is people come up to you, or not up to you, they say to their coworkers or to their friends, well, you can go in there and talk to him or her, but they're not going to listen to you. They're not yes. going to pay attention to you. They're just going to hear you, and then they're going to, you know, usher you out the door. They're not going to listen to you because that spreads. People know that. And unfortunately, people get reputations for that, that, well, he doesn't listen or she doesn't listen, so why bother? That's creating a bad experience for your employees. When your employees are of the mindset, I can't talk to you, so why bother? What's happening to your organization when your leaders and anybody, for that matter, doesn't give the present of presence to the people? Yes, well, this is so powerful. And I bet you someone's going to leave this, listen to this call and this message today and start listening better, start hearing their people, start hearing the customers really intentionally. I believe we are going to cause that impact together and keep reinforcing it. Because like I said, if we get the basics right, so much more happens. And I love this point. And I want to start to wrap it up with one question for you, which is based on what you know today, what you know now, if you could go back to your younger self, let's say age 20, what would you tell yourself what you know now that you didn't know then? Do we have another hour? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Just kidding. No, just kidding. So the the advice that I would give my younger self um, and that I would also give to my children, I have a daughter who's a freshman in college and a son who's a junior in high school. Reach for the stars. Go for your dreams. Don't be scared. Don't let the fear of the unknown hold you back or put you down a path of a career that you want something different. I loved my journey, um, every step of it, but I wanted to do things differently. I wanted to take bigger risk. I wanted to step outside my comfort zone, which embracing fear, comfort zone, were not words that were used when I was coming up. I mean, I got out of college. I had credit card debt. I had student loan debt. I had to go to work. It's not what I wanted to do right off the bat, but I was scared to do other things. And so 
reach for the stars, live your dream, take the opportunity because you never know what's possible. You never know what's possible. And I was in my 50s before I left corporate America and started my own business and my own journey as an entrepreneur. And though it's been a crazy, bumpy ride, I've loved every minute of it and I'm not looking back. Mm, there's a I'm book. stepping into it. There's a book. That's a great book title too. I'm stepping into it. But mm. there's a book that I love, even if you don't read it, just to have it in front of you. It's called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Ooh. And Susan Jeffers is the, the author. And I love that title because it's everything you just said. Yeah. I mean... That's what I would encourage anyone. Just go for it. I'm going to get the book. That, you know, I have like dozens of books on my shelf over here. I'm reading three at the same time right now, but <laughs> I just finished one. So that's how I'm down to two. But um, just go for it, right? Just embrace the fear, step into it and go for it. And Stacey, one last thing I'll add to that because I know we're getting out of time here. But just remember to anybody listening out there, there's no such thing as failure. People throw the word around a lot, but there's really no such thing as failure. You either get the result that you wanted or the lesson that you needed. And from that process, learn what to do different. Get up, brush your pants off, put your big boy pants back on, right? And go try again because you didn't fail. You learned. And as you learn, you get better. And you continue to get better, you continue to grow, you continue to build a better business and a better life for you and for your family. So remove the word failure from your vocabulary and know that you either got the result that you needed or the, or the result that you wanted or the lesson that you needed and don't stop. Yes. And big boy pants and big girl pants too. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, yes. Big girl and boy pants. Put them on and get up and dust off and go <laughs> Because I say this a lot to solo entrepreneurs. The world's waiting on you. The world's waiting on your message. Yes. But if you let fear of success, feel of failure, or just failure in and of itself stop you, you're depriving the world of your voice. And the world's waiting on you. Go share your voice. Go, have an, go out there and have an impact and learn and grow every day to become the best version of you along your journey. Well, I love your wisdom. I love what you stand for. And how can people find you? Because I know they're going to want to. So the easiest way to find me is on LinkedIn. Um, I'm there. I think I hang out there way too many hours during the course of the day. I'm constantly creating content out there. So I would love to connect you on LinkedIn. If you do send me a LinkedIn connection, be sure to hit that add note button and let me know that you heard me here on Stacey's podcast, Doing CX Right. That way I know how you came to me, but I welcome the opportunity to connect with anybody and everybody there. That is the best place. That's my favorite place. Wonderful. And I'll add your LinkedIn to the show notes. And once again, thank you for being you and sharing so much with my audience. Well, thanks for having me, Stacey. It's good to see you. You too. Have a good one. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple, it would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacey Sherman, Doing CX Right. <laughs>